0: What's up movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 19 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review this is may eighteenth, 2021 i am your host lewis manchaka and i'm joined today by my co-host mr troy bracy
1: yes yes i'm here good to be back man let's talk about a lot of news this uh week
0: there's sure. definitely been a lot of news and we're going to be getting into that here momentarily but first we got to talk about impressions now troy have you been doing your homework and been watching shit this this week
1: no but i <laughs> did watch i did watch the bad batch episode three
0: you know what? Let's talk about that because I did watch it too, and I'm starting to feel like maybe like the the, the pilot was a bit of a fluke. On uh, really, okay, okay. I'm gonna wow. Say this. I'm gonna say this. I I like the episode three better than episode two, and I, I think they did a good job with uh, uh. What it was missing was the the sniper guy. What was his name? Uh, it was Crosshair. Uh, uh, crosshair. Yeah, crosshair. yeah they, were, they were missing him on the second episode. He was not in it at all. And I'm glad he was back in the third episode because now he's, like, very engaging and stuff like that. But, yeah. like, I, I don't know. Like, it feels like the show is too short. Like, these 20-minute episodes, it's, like, they're, they're – they're, uh, it's, it's leaving me wanting more, which I guess is a good thing. Um, so I guess maybe I should take back what I said. But I, I get the feeling that I would be better off watching this show in, like, four episodes at a time minimum.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, well, here's the thing. Uh, with this series, is 16 episodes. So, like, you got to give them a break because they're giving you a lot of content, you know what I mean, for one season. So, I think you're going to get like an hour for the like or however long the first episode was somewhere in the middle you're gonna get somewhere like an hour or something and then probably the last episode you're gonna get over an hour and in between you're gonna get these 30 minute episodes which that's a typical animation like length of an animation show so that's nothing like new or different so you know um but based off the show itself in terms of the uh in terms of like the quality whoo it's pretty damn good to me
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. Animation's top notch. Everything's beautiful. Everything's got the purpose. The third
1: episode, and I and the thing is, I agree with you. The second episode had a huge dip, and and it made me kind of like uh, maybe the first episode, like you said, was a fluke. But going into the third episode, I think it was just as good as the first, uh, except for the fact that it wasn't as long. But in terms of quality, I mean, it was dark. It was it was probably one of the darkest Star Wars cartoon episodes ever. Like in terms of like how dark it was uh again we're learning more about the transition from the uh clones to more of the 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 raised stormtroopers like that's been raised from birth and man it's just it, it's really good it's really good character you know what i'm saying crosshair starting to become a straight up villain like at this point and uh And it looks like they're setting up a lot of cool stuff going forward. So, this last episode, I was blown away. I was just blown away. And like you said, the animation was top-notch. Probably some of the best animation we've ever seen. You know, it's movie quality, that Disney money animation. And, man, I'm right now, at least right now, two out of the three episodes I love. One episode is is so so
0: crosshair is a real badass man he just up, did that shit real dirty and like didn't give a fuck and then
1: yeah and yeah. then they got so
0: dark man they did, they basically did a, a shot that mimicked uh whenever uh anakin like pulled out the lightsaber on oh those kids. yeah on the
1: kids yeah, yeah yeah it was like what, damn yeah and what i love though is like one of the things that i was like look i'm gonna check out of this show If they try to come with some soft bullshit because Ryder Brown right now is the darkest it's ever been in Star Wars. It's the start of the damn empire, right? So this is when people in the universe are confused because they they see this turn of darkness. And I felt like if the show came out and it would have been like rebels and they're trying to be all fucking soft and Star Wars light and stuff like that. I would have had a huge problem. But the fact that they're having the balls to go dark, like dark, dark. It to me that that shows that they having a little bit of more, you know, um, they're 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 having a little bit more courage with this show. They're taking a little bit more risk. And that's how I felt like this show should be dark, because it's the start of the damn empire. And uh, it's little things that you notice, like the uh, fire, the gunfire being red for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the first time we seen the gunfire red. On Clone Wars and Rebels, I mean, not uh, on Clone Wars, it wasn't. So you're just starting to see the small transitions to, like, it going dark in the universe. So... For me, I was excited, and now I'm excited about the next episode.
0: And then you can you can see like there's like a lot of intrigue. What's what's going on with the Kaminoans and stuff like that? Where, oh like, the guy, yes,
1: yes. And you could tell that that's starting to be a problem with yeah. them too. They're know? like so, they're
0: like trying to do uh, their best to survive this regime change and stuff like that. Right, and right, it feels very you, Game of Thrones esque
1: when they're trying yeah, to like Game under, of underhand. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, and that's I what it, I wanted dude. to see. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the transition. You see what I mean? Like the transition. And that little stuff, like you said, is Game of Thrones-esque, and we're seeing that transition. So yeah, you know what? It's, yeah, it's I fantastic. changed my mind.
0: After talk after like talking it out, you know what? Episode three was actually kind of legit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was legit as fuck. Man. Yeah. Like, I guess damn. it's
0: because like I was just left wanting more.
1: It's but like, damn, I did, these episodes it, it, end that, too quickly, you know? But look, that 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 is a compliment to the show because you know uh like i said you know it's typical that's the typical length of any anime some of the greatest animated shows ever like uh batman the animated series x-men like if you look back all those shows are like 20 30 minutes, minutes 20 yeah. to 30 minutes long so it's it's the typical length of an animated show but the fact that you felt like it went by super fast and the fact that you are kind of left wanting more that means the show is doing its job it's a very fast-paced show and you're just excited because i felt the same way i'm like damn i just turned this shit on and it's over but that's how good it is you're so invested that it's going by fast and that's really the biggest compliment you could give an episode
0: yeah i agree with that it's just like i guess for me i guess the pilot kind of like set the
1: tone and now it's and, like, spi- yeah. and, and i think the pilot what the pilot did the pilot us spoiled us <laughs> It, it spoiled us yeah because yeah. we go in and it's like an hour and it's like a fucking mini movie and we're like oh shit you know and then you go from that to bam 20 minutes it just so it feels so short you know but um but yeah you know that's uh, 20 minutes that's about right though
0: yeah so, um, I think it's like the because like the standard episode for like a 30 minute show is 22 minutes. Cause it's like 22 minutes plus t- uh, commercials and they're, they're making it the runtime towards that bold model, yeah, but straight about it's streaming. So, but yeah. anyways, yeah, the, the bad batch, uh, I'm glad that we're, we're going to keep on, uh, you know, talking about every episode as it airs. Um, yeah. but the one thing that I did watch was I watched that Angelina Jolie movie, uh, those who wish me dead. And, okay. uh, surprisingly, um, um, Damn, the actor that plays uh, Shane in The Walking Dead and The Punisher—fuck, ah, I can't remember his name. But he's—I said last last week that he was going to be the villain. He was actually not a villain. Uh, instead, it was uh, Nicholas Holt was one of the villains. He's uh, the guy who played Beast in the X Men First Class Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the movie was actually good. I actually was very riveted by it. It was very—it's uh, a shorter movie than I was expecting. It was only like an hour, a little over an hour and a half long. Um, And I was surprised by how little screen time, in my opinion, uh, Angelina Jolie had, because it kind of felt like an ensemble film. And it didn't really like, you know, the poster and everything like it all, just like it's Angelina Jolie and stuff like that. But it's really not her movie. As a matter of fact, she doesn't have a whole lot to do for the first half of the movie. Really? That's surprising. Yeah, she's just sort of like moping and just kind of like sad. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of good job of like, you know, of, of her... You know, p- chronicling how, why she's sad and and her self destruction and everything like that. But generally speaking, she has she's mostly removed from the plot um, until this mm. until uh, the second half of the movie. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it was very good performances. I really liked the villains. I really liked uh, how engaging the 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 characters, all the characters were, including the supporting cast, because if it, def- it definitely felt like an ensemble movie. Um, mm. I like that the stakes were really high, um, and I also do appreciate how realistic uh, the movie was with uh, how certain characters died. I'm not going to spoil anything, but basically, um, you know, when it comes to these like heroic ass movies and stuff like that, the heroes usually don't die, you know? Um, So I just want, I'll leave it at that. And um, it really does kind of like feel like the stakes are raised and stuff like that when, when anything can happen, when you feel like anything can happen. Um, Yeah. It feels like the movie was uh, setting up for a sequel. Like, I'm not going to say it that this movie, it can go one of two ways. You can just let it be and let it be a one and done movie and stuff like that. But there were a couple of uh, dangling unresolved threads uh, like that that occurred that could leave yeah. the door open for a sequel that you can explore, like with what happens next. But yeah. ultimately, like the story, the arc was completed. So you don't really need a sequel. Okay. So, um, for me, I would, I don't know, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit 50-50 because on the one hand, like you, I want to see, you know, certain characters that were featured that didn't get their comeuppance, you know, get their comeuppance in a sequel. But at the same time, I would rather just let it be and just let it be a good movie that was, uh, it felt like the plot was around like the whole forest fire. Like that's the plot. And a sequel wouldn't be about that anymore. It would go somewhere else. And I don't necessarily know if I would want to see You know that that movie goes somewhere else. Is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But ultimately, like as far as um, impressions, we don't do reviews here, so I'll just say it's a good movie. It's worth a watch. Um,
1: I mean, that was basically a review.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. I don't. We we call it impressions because we want to be. It's like a soft review kind of thing. But I would say good movie. It's worth a watch, especially if if you're watching it on HBO Max. Um, It's it's definitely. It'll definitely keep you entertained and enthralled and, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to the news.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report.
0: So with the news, uh, we have very big, big stories to talk about here. Uh, the first big story is actually just something that broke today. It's probably one of the biggest, uh, news stories, uh, going around right now is that, um, uh, Warner Media, uh, they're they are owned by AT&T about four years ago. AT&T bought them about three or four years ago. They bought them and it was this huge deal. But they had to go through the Department of Justice to be acquired by them and stuff like that because it's like kind of like you know big companies and you know buying out a big company. Well, yeah. apparently AT&T decided to sell off Warner Media, and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and read this story. This is uh, covered by NBC News. Uh, it says here that discovery and warner media merged creating one of the largest us media companies AT&T moves to spin off the warner media and combine it with discovery comes as netflix and disney have shown the upside to direct to consumer streaming platforms uh, AT&T announced on Monday that Warner Media and Discovery are merging to become a new company that will immediately become one of the largest US media businesses. The new company is the result of AT&T spinning off Warner Media, which owns a variety of major media properties including CNN, TBS, TNT, Warner Brothers Films, and Television Studio and HBO into a new company. The company is merging with Discovery, which owns Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, uh, Animal Planet uh, TLC, the Food Network, and various other media properties. AT&T will receive $43 billion worth of cash, debt securities, and Warner Media's retention of debt. The new company will be led by Discovery CEO David Zaslav. It's a major deal that allows uh, AT&T to undo one of the largest media acquisitions in history, the 2016 purchase of Time Warner for $109 billion. AT&T billed the deal as a chance to combine its telecommunication businesses, uh, consumer data and media offerings in a way to compete with major media and tech companies. So we're going to stop the article here, but we're going to actually, there's more to this article, but I just sort of want to just, you know, add to this that um, AT&T bought uh, Warner for $109 billion in 2016, but they're selling it here in 2021 uh, for $43 billion, which means that they're selling it at a loss. So just uh, based off of what you've heard so far, Troy, what are your thoughts on
1: this? I mean, you know, this is one of them situations where you really got to wait and play it out and you can't act like, you know, everything like behind the scenes. We don't know what's going on. The fact that they felt the need to sell at a loss means that maybe their projections wasn't looking like what they wanted it to look like. And they're trying to, you know, make a deal happen and make something happen where they can possibly see some money in the future or just at least at least you know make some money make whatever they can at the moment so these one of them kind of situations is you know you got to wait and see like me I I feel like I don't know enough information because it kind of came out of nowhere you know (laughs) that I don't want to speak too heavily on it like oh this is such a dumb idea or man this is great news like to be honest I really don't know you know what I mean so
0: uh, here's what I do know um AT&T you know like they're the big parent company and stuff like that John Oliver like says all the time about how he calls AT&T business daddy and Everything like that. Uh, my understanding of the situation is that AT&T wants to focus on their telecommunications, you know, rolling out 5G and all this other stuff, and like you know, spectrum stuff like that, you know, they want to focus in on that. So what they were trying to do, AT&T was originally trying to do so that they owned all the like the telecommunications as well as the content to deliver through that telecommunications and stuff like that. That's why they wanted HBO yeah. Max. They wanted DirecTV. They wanted to own content, create and own content and give you the delivery pipeline. And now, yeah. there just seems to me like between the streaming wars that we've been covering here on the show about how you know Disney Plus surpassed a hundred, like about to surpass hundred million subscribers, and Netflix has got two hundred million subscribers, and Netflix has has uh, uh, you know confirmed that they're going to spend this many billions of dollars, and, and Amazon has confirmed that they're going to spend billions of dollars on just game, on just uh, uh, Lord of the Rings by itself, you know, you know that yeah. kind of stuff. I think with AT and T is sort of like looking at the landscape. And realizing that in order, for either, in order for them to bolster HBO Max and to make it, a, you know, an, to make it into a Disney Plus, they would need to commit to tens of billions of dollars to, in spending yeah. for content. And I don't think AT&T wants to sign that check, which is why they're just sort of cutting their losses is my interpretation
1: yeah, of this. That, and, and that's kind of
0: what I feel, too. So let's go ahead and continue on with, the, uh, with this article. And the reason why I want to read the whole article is because there's some salacious information here towards the end. So we'll get to that here in a second. It says here. The move to spin off Time Warner, later named Warner Media, and com- uh, combine it with Discovery comes as Netflix and Di- and, and Disney have em- emerged as the dominant players in the direct-to-consumer streaming market. In its press release, at and said that the new company will be better positioned to compete in the increasingly important streaming world. Obviously, because with uh, with Discovery, yeah, they're a whole a whole another content producers, they're probably going to be more invested into putting out more content. Quote, this agreement unites two entertainment leaders with complementary content strengths and positions the new company to be one of the global uh, leading global direct-to-consumer streaming platforms. AT&T CEO John Stanky said in a press release, it will support the fantastic growth and international launch of HBO Max with Discovery's global footprint and create efficiencies which can be reinvested in producing more great content to give consumers what they want. AT&T shareholders will own 71% of the new company, with Discovery shareholders getting 29%. According to an AT&T press release, the deal will also allow AT&T to unload some of its debt, which has become the focus of analyst concerns on Wall Street. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, skip around here in the article. Actually, let me just read this here. For AT&T shareholders, this is an opportunity to unlock value and one of the best capitalized broadband companies focusing on investing in 5G and fiber to meet substantial long-term demand for, for connectivity. Uh, this deal will need to receive reg- regulatory approval, which can be a major hurdle. AT&T's acquisition of WarnerMedia took almost two years to gain approval. That's why I said about three years, because it, it finalized in 2018, which means that I'm m- my speculation, this thing won't even finalize until at least 2022, if not further. Um, I'm going to skip to this part of the article here, and this is the salacious part. Jason Kilar, who is the current CEO of WarnerMedia, was not informed about the deal until a few days ago and was even given the go-ahead from AT&T to proceed with a Wall Street Journal profile about his leadership of the company. Two people with knowledge of the matter said, Kilar is now working to negotiate his exit one person familiar with the plans said. So that's kind of fucked up. Uh Jason Kilar, who is the CEO of Warner Media, granted, you know, AT&T owns Warner Media, so you know, he doesn't AT&T went above them, negotiated with with uh, Discovery about this sell-off, this merger, and he didn't even know about it. And now he's out of a job. He's no longer going to be the CEO of nothing.
1: I mean, for that to happen, that it was some stuff going on. Like for that to happen, you know, they either wanted him gone and somehow maybe couldn't do it or they, you know, they were bumping heads. Like, I don't feel like, I, I just don't see how you could do something that fucked up <laughs> without, like, without it being some kind of behind the scene drama. That's one of the things, like, us around the industry will never know, like, what goes on. But trust me, like, that was one of them, um, you know, the moves where you play somebody like all right they you know he did this to me well watch what we're gonna do back to him well actually we know
0: we kind of sort of i have a guess as to what that is gonna be what that guess is jason Killar, he's the ceo of warner media and he's the one who made the decision to make all of these movies come out on hbo max day and day with their theatrical
1: release yeah and and the thing is what made it so fucked up is because he put them in a whole bunch of situations. Because doing that, now you dealing with all these different lawsuits and a lot of different like it, it, are you dealing with the trust of your you know directors that you have been working under you like a Christopher Nolan, like a Dennis Villeneuve, and doing that you know maybe doing that probably set a lot of people like you know the wrong way you know and and uh, that might have wanted them to get hit you know so, you know like he that might have just showed how much maybe of a dick he might be. And they, you know, did even more of a dick move. But, you know, who knows? But, yeah, definitely something, you know, was brewing already. That, you know, didn't come out of nowhere. But that was fucked up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I believe Jason Keller was, like, the CEO for, like, a year now. Or at least a year or maybe two, I think. He was basically have a very short tenure. And now he's... I will say uh, this,
1: though. I will say this. I haven't heard a single good thing about him. That's all (laughs) I can say. Like, I haven't heard a single good thing that he's done you know, so, I, you know, that might be one of the reasons.
0: Yeah, so it's like, so now, like, they're going to merge with Discovery, uh, Discovery, and now the Discovery CEO is now becoming a CEO of an even bigger company now, and that's going to be interesting. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of speculation um, online about, you know, now that uh, the executives are going to be turned over, uh, like, there's going to be a new batch of executives. Um, the people are talking about, you know, restore the Snyderverse as well. Because if you think about the historic thing, Whenever at and came to power and new executives were brought on board to run WarnerMedia, hashtag release the Snyder Cut trended, and then they made it happen. Now a new group of executives are going to come into play here and come into power. Now maybe the fans can do this whole thing again and be like, now restore the Snyderverse. Do you think that that's yeah. likely to happen, or do you even want it to happen?
1: I, I definitely don't want it to happen, but like you said, it's a big possibility because I think the people that was in charge of now currently before this deal they were the big advocates of not restoring the snyderverse you know um the only reason that the snyder the snyder cut even got made was for hbo max they wanted a hit in an original you know content for hbo max and that's why the like i don't care how much restore the snyder cut stuff was they would have never made that movie unless it was on hbo max so but now that with this new movement and a new team behind it, if they keep going with this, you know, and Zack Snyder, if his next movie is successful again, you know, that could you know create some momentum for them to try to restore the, restore the Snyderverse. But I definitely don't want them to do the Zack Snyder stuff no more.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit iffy because I I kind of want to see the the Justice League two and three to tell you I, the truth. You know
1: what I would like I would like them someone to bring someone on to maybe you know continue his vision but I w- I don't want him to be the talent behind the the Snyder verse right so if they you know if Zack Snyder could work with other directors and act as a producer or something like that then I'll be cool with that because I'm like you I, I like where Justice League ended and I want to see where Justice League goes but at the same time Zack Snyder to me isn't the guy to handle all of that responsibility you know and so uh that's how I feel about it but who knows you know if you know if these new people come and they do their job right they'll know more than us and they'll have it figured out
0: yeah of course all right well yeah that's the big news story here a lot of heads are rolling here after this and uh you know big companies doing big things you know this is this is what happens (laughs) yeah yeah All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next story here. I pulled up something from here from Insider.com, and it says here that Emily Blunt squashes Fantastic Four rumors, says superhero genre has, quote, been exhausted. Okay, here we go. Uh, Emily Blunt and husband John Krasinski have often been touted as potential casting as The Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic, respectively, in Marvel's upcoming Fantastic Four reboot. However, Blunt has seemingly squashed those rumors in a new interview with The Howard Stern Show, saying that superhero movies in general are, quote, not up her alley. Uh, and... This, uh, that is fan casting. No one has received a phone call, Blunt said of the Fantastic Four rumors. Quote, that's just people saying, wouldn't that be great? Uh, Blunt explained that while taking on a role in a superhero movie isn't, quote, beneath her, uh, she isn't uh, sure if superhero films are for her, referencing how close she came to being in the MCU in 2010 when she was offered the role of Black Widow in Iron Man 2. Quote, I love Iron Man, and when I got offered Black Widow, I was obsessed with Iron Man. I wanted to work with Robert Downey Jr. It would have been amazing, Blunt said. But I I don't know if superhero movies are for me. They're not up my alley. I don't like them. I really don't. It's been exhausted, she continued. We are inundated. It's not only all the movies. It's the endless TV shows as well. It's not not to say that I'd never want to play one. It's... It would just have been something so cool and like a really cool character, and then I'd be interested. Uh, Blunt has been a fan favorite choice for the role of the Invisible Woman, a.k.a. Sue Storm, since it was announced that Marvel Studios are remaking their own Fantastic Four movie. So, uh, yeah. Uh, By the way, uh, I'm going to just skip to this part on the the, uh, article. It says here, um, still, Blunt told Howard how close she came to joining the MCU in Iron Man 2 as Black Widow, Blunt was offered the role, but was forced to turn it down as she was contracted to do Gulliver's Travels instead. That shitty ass movie that made no money. It says here, I, I was contacted to do or contracted to do Gulliver's Travel. I didn't want to do Gulliver's Travels, Blunt said, recalling how the decision was out of her hands because she was drafted into a quote optional picture deal that she was signed to t- with 20th Century Fox after starring in The Devil Wears Prada. So, damn, that contract, basically, she could have been Black Widow. You know, that, that costed her, like, a career-defining uh, move. Um, so what do you think of this news of, number one, what she was saying about her n- not wanting to be Sue Storm? And also, just in general, what's your thoughts on her missing out on Black Widow?
1: Well, I'm, uh, I'll start off with her missing out on Black Widow. That that actually could have been a good thing, you know, because one of the things about, you know, not saying that being in a superhero movie is a bad thing, but the thing that sucks for actors, I would assume, is they having to sign these super multiple, multiple deals, you know, and... Um, And the thing with Emily Blunt, she's one of those actors that wants, that loves, you know, diversity and trying new things and, you know, being in new stuff. I don't think she's the type of actor that would want to keep coming back to the same role over and over again and so for her to have like such a legendary career without Black Widow I think in the end it was probably a good thing at the time she probably you know was devastated but um in terms of like that's why I don't I don't talk about rumors I, I don't talk about them because a lot of times they're just made up from nothing like they're not they're not you know like when Emily they were talking about Emily Blunt at Sue Storm I'm like where did that come from Marvel isn't uh, interested in doing a Fantastic Four movie at the moment, like, why would it they, it just automatically be casting for her, you know, we not, haven't heard about no directors, we haven't heard about them doing anything with the Fox stuff yet, anything, but now, but all of a sudden, it's a rumor about her being Sue Storm, like, like, that's what I. I that's why, when anything's about a rumor, I don't address it because people just make up. And, like she said, people do fan casting. And I hate fan casting because how can you cast someone and you haven't seen this movie or read the script? You don't know the specific you know, way they're going to go with the character, you know, and a lot of these comic book characters, you go several different ways with them, so the fan casting is just something as a fan to say, like, oh, this would be fun to see this character, it's like, that's not how that works, you know, that's not how, like, Hollywood real casting works, you don't say, oh, this person looks like the comic book character, so let that person be the character, no, it, it, you know, it has to match the character, it has to match, a lot of things have to fall in line, so there's that, but about her saying, you know, the the about the superhero stuff and like it. That's just her. That's her opinion. You know, like, you know, there's some actors that's you know fed up with the whole Marvel and DC stuff, and you got some actors that's excited and ready to play one of the characters. So that just that's just an opinion. You can't really bash her or praise her or anything like that. So that's just how I feel about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's a fair assessment. I don't really have much more to add to that. I mean, I, I for me, like, if you know, in her shoes. I would never let live that down, like being, uh, you know, forced to turn down a career defining role and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, that's I'm pretty petty like that. Um,
1: and, I mean, and those and listen, I'm going to be honest, like those roles, Marvel roles, they're good, but they could be bad as well, because now you're typecast as a superhero. Or and, if you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you think about it, nobody's had a really big career outside of the Marvel Universe since they've been cast. You know what I'm saying? Like even Robert Downey Jr. can't get a big hit outside of the Marvel Universe. You know, Thor. Uh, I mean, what's his name that played Chris Thor? chris hemworth he hasn't had a career outside of the marvel universe that's why he's coming back for Thor four you know chris evans uh all of the actors that's played those characters has not had a great career outside of that since the marvel universe outside the marvel universe so that that necessarily you know it could have been a gift and a curse you know we can't necessarily say that's a career defining role when she's had a legendary career already so yeah. but i understand what you're saying
0: yeah and also yeah i mean like we've we've had like you know big people in Hollywood like talk about you know of uh, the overabundance of superhero movies I forgot what was the director it might have been like Martin Scorsese or Martin
1: Scorsese yeah. yeah he
0: was talking about like how like superhero movies aren't real movies or something like that and that was a whole debate right there um, yeah so yeah I mean it's just you know it, it's it, it's an opinion and it is everyone's free, uh, uh, free to have one I mean she is right there is definitely a lot of a lot of content uh, out there but at the same time I'm living for it so I'm not I don't I'm not complaining either. So right, absolutely. Uh, so, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next big story, and this is a huge story. And uh, yeah, this is going to be another, one of those stories where I might have to read the whole article, but we'll see where it goes here. It says here that uh, this comes from Variety, and it says in the headline, "Disney's New World Order Leads to Confusion and Bruised Egos." This story is going to cover uh, Bob Chapek. He's the current uh, CEO at Disney, and uh, he's been slowly like accumulating more power. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. The Walt Disney Company is in the throes of a major leadership uh, leadership shift, with the newly minted CEO Bob Chapek asserting more authority as the longtime leader he replaced, Bob Iger, prepares to have surrender his executive chairman role uh, for um, emer- sorry, emeritus status at the at year end. Uh, so, in case you didn't know, Bob Iger was the CEO and chairman at Disney, uh, he had a, he wielded a lot of power and a lot of leadership. And with Bob uh, Iger, you know, retired from CEO and Bob Chapex uh, came on board, Bob Iger was still the chairman. So now that Bob Iger is slowly being phased out, it's going to, things are like, you know, are the the winds of the storms are brewing, basically. It says here, the two men, the two men's once warm relationship has grown strained, according to four insiders. This comes as uh, Chapek has overseen a 2020 reorganization that centralized the media company's content distribution and ad sales. At the corporate level, Iger has moved much more into the background than he was in a few months ago, even on the creative side, uh, insiders say, and a sign of a leadership transfer taking place Chapek has not only joined Iger in creative meetings, but actually convened some of, uh, some this spring with top creative uh, teams under uh, Peter Rice and Dana Walden. Quote, everyone is becoming more and more uh, deferential to Chapek, according to one Disney executive who asked not to be identified. Quote, things are radically different than they were six months ago. The insider noted that the senior leaders have tried to insulate the creative teams from all of the upheaval. Uh, others say that chapek was initially hesitant to assert himself more than cr- more on the creative side because he assumed the ceo job in february 2020 his attention was largely was focused largely on dealing with the disney with keeping disney afloat at the height of the pandemic after the company's theme parks were forced to shut down production halted and movie theaters closed for the most part Chapek's style has gotten Uh, positive reviews. He lacks Iger's flash and charisma, but as an insider notes, he's coming into his own. He lets you know that what he wants without imposing it. Iger loved to discuss and debate different initiatives, while Chapek prefers to delegate more tasks and make decisions. Disney's uh, sources point out that the two have very different personalities and approaches, which uh, some have find disconcerting at times. And I'm gonna just skip skip, uh, into the article and says here, Uh, Disney's reorganization of the media and entertainment business into three distinct content creation groups, studios, general entertainment, and sports, has caused consternation for some senior managers as well as those doing business with the company. The, reorgani- the reorganization was aimed at better positioning Disney for a future that would be determined by its success in streaming. The goal, at least on paper, was to have people work more harmoniously across mediums, from television to film to Disney+. Plus. The result has left people deeply confused about how to navigate the new world order. Um, uh, let's see here. All right. I'm going to just go ahead and pause it right there. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Troy, what are your thoughts on this so far? And are you uh, are you concerned about how Bob Chapek is running things?
1: No, I'm not like when listen, when someone's new to an establishment and an organization, they have a different way of going about things. And you really don't know if someone when people are used to a certain way that, you know, it's going to be a little bit uh offsetting at least at first when someone comes and does something different and only time will tell it's way way too early to tell if he's not doing his job properly or not but people not feeling comfortable with his style or his way of you know doing things or whatever that it isn't determining if he's doing a bad job or a good job you know what i mean and so it's way too early to see you know People might not like what he's doing behind the scenes. People might love what he's doing behind the scenes. But for me, it's just too early to be able to tell, you know. And uh, it's funny how you could get praised for doing a good job for certain things. And then when st- new things pop up, it's like, oh, no, he's doing, you know, like overnight, it could change from being positive to negative. You know, uh, I don't necessarily I'm not saying, look, he's he's doing good. I, I'm not saying I don't I don't know. Like, how would I possibly know that? You know, I have know nothing about. Being, you know, a top guy at Disney, you know, or being a top guy at anything. But I will say, that uh it's a bit ridiculous to you know saying that he you know that he's oh he's you know steering the company downhill or he's you know he's messing things up or it's that's ridiculous to me that's that's just absolutely ridiculous and in five years we could be like man things have been the greatest disney's been greatest ever you know or in five years we could say man this dude really destroyed it really been hurting disney for the last five years but we got to see, you know what I'm saying? We need time to see. And that that's really my only take on it.
0: Well, OK, so I was reading the article ahead here and I wasn't able to find it, but there was a different article and I must have uh, not got the source here. But I'm just going to read this one little sentence here that sort of uh, goes into what I was going to say. Um, Hollywood dealmakers noted that the new structure at, Dis- at Disney is uh, Byzantine and more convoluted than necessary, adding an extra uh, managerial layer into the process of getting projects made. So basically, here's what uh, the, what I was able to find out, um, not from this article, but from other sources, is that um, under, under uh, Bob Iger, uh, his leadership, he was all about the creative process. He was all about putting creatives, let creators create. And under Bob Chapek's style, he's all about giving suits and executives credit for the, the success. And executives are like, are they like, they're like bean counters. They're not necessarily in charge of like producing something or making something, or you know, they're just in charge of managing something. And so when you give these people like the credit and the promotions and make them the boss of everything, when they don't know how to like, you know, uh, know, you know, they don't know what's the best projects to greenlight and stuff like that. Um, my understanding of the situation is that everyone is concerned about this is because. Uh, You know, different uh, people who, from my understanding, is that people who are overseers of things, they got promoted into roles that they may not necessarily be deserving of. So, yeah, um, like, for instance, it says here, the shakeup was also granted a great deal of influence to a top uh, JPEG ally, Kareem Daniel, who was elevated to chairman of Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution from his previous role of overseeing, overseeing consumer products consumer products has nothing to do with entertainment and you know right. i just gotta say like this seems like a, it seems kind of alarming is what i was gonna say it kind of seems very uh what's the word i'm looking for you know whenever you're friends with somebody and you're like you know uh damn it uh nepotism
1: what yeah well well here i'll say this i'll say this look one thing i will say is execs get a bad name and they do execs do like i think the the way they're looked at is like you got the creators and you got the execs that only get in that only mess up move like execs has a bad name for only messing up creators and creator content like that's what it's like oh dang this movie the execs interfered and you know now the movie the they took the listen execs do so much to make so many good movies right and they don't get the credit they deserve now they do ruin movies sometimes sometimes they get too involved and they mess up stuff but All I'm saying is this, Uh, this is all I'm saying. When someone comes in and they have a new way of doing things, when people are used to the old way, of course, it's going to look, seem weird and feel different and feel like, oh, what? But if someone, if, if you're a good, if you're good at your job, you're going to have a direct way of looking at something and a, and a direct path to making something better you're not going to be iffy and trying to do what the last person did and and hesitant and stuff like that you're going to go for it now i'm not saying he's doing the right things here because like you said that seems a bit di- ridiculous promoting a uh, old dude that had nothing to do with uh um, uh entertainment yeah entertainment yeah like stuff like that seems ridiculous but at the same time, I'm not just going to, you know, assume he's just doing a bad job or he's doing a terrible job. It's just my whole motto is like, let's wait and see. Like, it's so quick. People are so quick. to, Oh, no, no. Like, that's it's the same thing with anything, with sports. And anytime it's a new coach. Oh, man, he's changing things. He's putting someone new in the starting lineup. Let's wait and see. He might have something new and original ideas to bring to the company that's never been done before because let's not act like Bob Iger was a perfect You know, he's done some terrible things like rushed out Star Wars, told J.J. Abrams he had a certain deadline to get out um, uh, Star Wars Force Awakens. You know, he he's part of part of the reason why, you know, Star Wars didn't have a plan, you know, making sure that Kathleen Kennedy didn't, you know, uh, just force a bunch of movies out without having a plan like he's not perfect as well. Like You know what I mean? So let's let's see what the guy has planned. And then let's bash him when he messes up. But until he messes up, let's wait and see what he can do. That's all I'm saying.
0: All right. Um, Now, this is not in the article, but uh, another source that I was reading up on when I was Researching uh, was talking about how, uh, and we've co- I don't know if we've covered this before, or I've, I remember reading about it a while back, where like there was like Disney's new uh, content strategy was about how they were going to emphasize Disney Plus, and basically what they what ended up happening was an executive or executives have now control as to where something will debut. So uh, Kevin Feige doesn't have control over if I'm, if something is going to go to Disney Plus or go to theaters. Now it's out of their hands, you know. for 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 Disney, can put something on Hulu for all they want, for all they care. Like that's how they have uh, executives have the 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 power to you know put content where they see fit. And apparently, apparently, Pixar was mad whenever Luca was debuting straight to Disney Plus, you know, Mm. things like that, and it's probably sold too.
1: Well, see, and that that's time will tell because it's not always about the authority, but it's about the um the communication and the uh you know what the word i'm looking for uh the collaboration because someone might have the authority to put like like for instance marvel uh the head of marvel kevin feige he has a boss and his boss can tell kevin feige look you can't make this movie or look you can't but of course because kevin feige is so good at his job you know due to collaboration and them talking and discussing it you know kevin foggy pretty much does what he wants because he's a genius so if, as long as these execs aren't going around demanding things like look this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen it's okay for them to have the last say so but as long as they collaborate and say look i think this is best for this and then they you know take advice and say no this isn't best and then they come up with a conclusion okay or whatever so that's you know again that's time will tell like we will see if they're going to start coming out saying look no black widow's going to disney plus and there's end all be on shang is going to disney plus and i don't want to hear shit you say you know <laughs> then we're like okay that's a problem but if they're you know discussing things and working things out everyone has a boss everyone has a last say so we got to see how it works out
0: all right well if things go uh, I will I, you're, you're right Bob Iger not perfect but bob Iger get, got results he bob under bob Iger's right. leadership that disney was the most profitable and expanded how uh, the reach of disney as a company as an right. enterprise under his umbrella under his uh tenure so right all right uh but yeah we'll we'll keep an eye on this and i'm pretty sure there will be more disney stories to come and we'll uh we'll kind of sort of revisit this in the in the future in the meantime, I want to go ahead and pull up a second sub-story underneath this story, which is about Disney. And I don't want to—we don't have to read the whole article. I'm just going to go ahead and give you like the TLDR. Uh, this comes from Variety, and it's like it's a a rest in peace to the 90-day theatrical window. Uh, Disney announced that Marvel's Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings and the Ryan Reynolds action comedy Free Guy would be uh, uh, in theaters for 45 days before landing on home entertainment. Um, Disney CEO Bob Chapek ascribed the studio's post-pandemic approach of rolling out movies in the theaters and on Disney Plus to relatively fluid nature of the recovery now that the box office behemoth Disney has uh, has declared its post-pandemic terms there's no ways there's no going back to the old ways of doing business So basically, uh, I'm also gonna add to this here in the story, it says the health of the theatrical window began to considerably deteriorate last July as Universal Pictures signed a historical deal that allowed the studio to move its films to premium video on demand platforms after just 17 days in theaters. Paramount Pictures and Warner Brothers have subsequently indicated that their upcoming movies will play in theaters for 45 days, while Warner Brothers is uh, is releasing the entire 2021 uh, slate uh, concurrently on hbo max so uh basically the 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 article concludes that by saying the 90 the, the 90 day theatrical window is survived by a leaner 45 day version in lieu of flowers go buy popcorn and a movie ticket at your local cinemas so yeah troy do you think that the 90 day window is, is now permanently dead
1: um i don't think so but I think this is stupid, though, for for what we're, seeing, you know, for what Disney trying to do. Like, I look at, listen, when a movie's in theaters, that's when you're gonna make the vast majority of your money back right then and there. Why have it for forty five days and then put it on a streaming service where we don't even know how the results work for you to get your money back? Like, to me, that's so stupid. Like, what if Chi goes and make a billion dollars if it would have stayed in theaters? but no you take it out and it only make 200 something like i for me i just don't understand that shit like that that's just dumb i don't think a lot of i don't think everyone because i will say this all i'm seeing more and more is this coming out only in theaters this coming out only in theater like i'm seeing that like studios are trying to let people know that look don't expect this going straight to you know a streaming service is coming out so i'm seeing that more and more for trailers and uh, different stuff so I don't think I think a lot of the industry understands that the movie theaters is where they are getting their money look look what got King Kong versus God, Godzilla versus Kong did you know what I'm saying the theaters right now is where you're getting your money if you're paying uh two hundred thousand dollars for a budget for a film you know if you want that money back you better leave it in theaters because that's where you're getting it back at least right then and there, and you don't have to do this longevity game like you got to do with a lot of these streaming services. So, I don't, you know, to me, that shit is just dumb. But, you know, uh, I don't think the 90-day window is dead yet.
0: Uh, it's seeming that way. I forgot to mention this, but I don't know if it was on the article because I sort of skimmed it, but uh, just knowing off the top of my head, all of Paramount movies are 45 days as well, like Top Gun, Maverick, and The yeah. Quiet Place Part 2 they're only going to run for 45 days as well actually no they might run for 90 days for all i know but after the 45 days they're going to be on paramount plus so yeah uh,
1: and i don't mind listen i don't mind if they hit the streaming service like i don't really care i'm not one of these persons listen i don't care if it's on the streaming services and in theaters at the same time i don't care like to be able to have the choice is cool too you know what i'm saying like that's cool I'm, i'm not one of these people that's like only have it in theaters and then let it listen if y'all want to have it in theaters 90 days and on the streaming services for 90 days like they've been doing with hbo max that's cool with me but as long as it's in theaters you know what i'm saying so if they if it's like exclusively in theaters for 45 days and then come to a streaming service but it's still in theaters where people have the choice to go see it in theaters then i'm cool with it you know so we'll just have to see man
0: yeah it's hard to tell i mean in a situation with that like a movie might just fall off a cliff and not make money anymore, like, as far as, like, box office sales. And when movies stop making, you know, selling tickets and stuff like that, they get pulled out of theaters, you know? so
1: Yeah, but um, that's how it's been since the beginning of time, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's been movies in the 80s that... You know, only be in theater for one week, yeah. and you know, and get pulled out of theater because it's not doing good. So that isn't something new. So I wouldn't mind, like, if the movie's bombing and they take it out. You know what I'm saying? So that I don't really care about that. But if a if a movie's doing good and you just take it out for the sake of taking it out, that's just utterly ridiculous. It, I just I hate that. And it's, and again, that's different from like a Netflix movie. I understand Netflix because Netflix is not even in their benefit. I don't think. For them to have a theatrical run in the first place. I think they just do it for the sake of you marketing, know maybe. The marketing yeah. and the fans and the direct whoever directing it might want it in theaters, whatever the case. So I understand them having it only for two weeks or however long they have it a week or whatever. All but right. I'm talking all about right. like okay. Disney, Paramount, Warner Brothers, uh Fox, uh all this other shit. Like that's why I was like, Come on now, like let's not be idiots.
0: All right. We'll continue to monitor the situation as well. Uh, next story up comes from Variety, and it says here, Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot gets backlash for statement on Israel-Palestine violence. Now, this is going to be a story that's adjacent to a real-world story, you know, but we're going to keep things entertainment side uh, focused and not so much talk about the political aspect of things, because that's not what the show is about. But it says here, Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot, who was born in Israel and served in the, uh, served a mandatory two years as a soldier in the Israel Defense Forces, released a statement on the recent violence between Israel and Palestine that drew backlash from fans. Quote, my heart breaks. My country is at war. Gal posted. Uh, Gadot posted in a statement on Twitter on Wednesday. Quote, I worry for my family, my friends. I worry for my people. This is a vicious cycle that has been going on for far too long. Israel deserves to live as a free and safe nation. Our neighbors deserve the same. I pray for the victims and their families. I pray for this unimaginable hostility to end. I pray for our leaders to find the solution so we can live side by side in peace. I pray for better days. Now, before we actually get into the controversy, Troy, what are your thoughts on just this statement, just reading
1: it or hearing it out? I honestly have no clue what she said that was wrong.
0: Okay, like, <laughs> you, okay. That, was, uh, that was my first reading on that as well. But, okay. Like, I'm
1: listening to it thinking, like, damn, did I miss something? What the hell? All right,
0: here we go. Godot's statement for peace immediately became a hotly debated topic on Twitter, because it's Twitter, of course, where some called out her, words, her use of the word neighbors instead of referencing Palestine by name. Some Twitter users began criticizing her as Wonder Woman, which landed a third film with director Patty Jenkins in late 2020 after the release of Wonder Woman 84. Okay, so that's just, that's just trash talking, but whatever. Okay, moving on. Godot, Godot's time in the Israel Defense Forces has stirred up controversies in the past. In 2017, Lebanon's Ministry of, of Economy banned the release of Wonder Woman due to the fact that Godot is Israeli. While Israel and Lebanon are technically still at war and do not have formal uh, diplomatic relations, there has been a ceasefire between the two countries since 2006. Um, Representatives for Godot and Warner Brothers did not immediately return Variety's request for comment. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. the basically, I guess uh, people are just mad. Okay, pe- people on Twitter just get mad for anything, really. But the fact of the matter is, she was—I guess—her wording about neighbors, I guess they felt is too vague, and she's not specifically name-dropping Palestine. Makes it almost kind of feels like they're reading into the into the situation, making it seem like maybe she's—I uh, guess—favoring uh, one side over the other. I mean, I mean, clearly she would because she's Israeli, and you know, it, you know. Anyways yeah uh, I don't want to necessarily go go into the actual political aspect of things, but basically, yeah um i, I just wanted to bring up this story because uh, over the weekend we talked to someone and we talked about you know, cancel culture uh, and we talked about how you know people who say something on uh, on uh, on Twitter about political stuff and people get shut down and I kind of I kind of wanted to talk about this in the in this in that aspect of things and like the idea of you know, when when actors say these kinds of things and everyone's telling them to be quiet, I guess is that it's, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on this whole aspect as a as a general thing and not so much this particular thing.
1: Yeah, because this this right here is a non-story and uh, <laughs> there's no there's no point of t- discussing it. But I, I think one of the things I realized, like you know, one of the things I gotta one of the things I think we gotta know the difference between canceling people, getting canceled, and stuff being back black Like black flash ain't cancel the culture that's not the same that's existed for the beginning of time people say something and then it's you know people discussing it whether for good or for bad you know it's controversial it's that's just controversy it happens with movies it happens and we see that all the time you know uh being canceled is when people feel so offended that it just ends your career right there or someone fires you or you get fired from you know it's just so outraged that it it causes your career to drop right um And uh, I think things like this is, you know, you know, if people respond to things like this in a way where they feel like they can't say like their opinion or can't say something that is, you know, they feel is right, then that's just a bit ridiculous. Like that goes beyond cancel culture, like because I'm looking at what wonder what Gal Gadot just said, and she said absolutely nothing offensive, nothing wrong, in my opinion. Now, people can find literally anything you say and make it into uh, uh Mount, topic like a of discussion of kind of thing right so yeah yeah anyone could do that but in terms of it being worth talking about like this isn't even worth talking about and uh but uh um, yeah so i think there is a big difference between you know just someone saying something and there's, there's some controversy behind it and you know the whole cancel culture situation i don't think she's in any danger of being canceled i don't even think anyone's looking at her for being canceled and i just think like like we talked about uh The other Gina day, Carano. like
0: that's it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this right now. This almost was in the extra news section. I only brought it up to top news because we talked about Gina Carano this weekend. Yeah, yeah.
1: and and you know the the truth is, you know the truth is this cancel culture is kind of it, it, it's so bad because now it's at the point where you even have to wonder if people can even say what's on their mind at all, like. Because you don't know what can, you know, and it's such a bad thing because the people that we need to speak up and talk about stuff is the celebrities, is the household names, is the, you know, those are the people that can really help and bring a change to the world in any kind of way. But it's like, it's seeming like, damn, anything can be controversial. Like, how can you, you know, speak up for what's right when you speaking up for what's right can get you canceled? It's one of the reasons why we really got to try to get rid of this whole cancel culture situation, you know what I mean, now, at the end of the day, we're not idiots, we know when someone does something, it's like, okay, your career needs to be in, a la, you know, Harvey Weinstein, you know what I'm saying, but it's a difference between that, and oh, I just said something offensive, damn, my career is over, so I, again, you know, it's just something we got to work on in this industry, in this movie industry, and hopefully we can get it back to what how it should be.
0: Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the next story. And this is the last story of the top news. Uh, Marvel's Shang-Chi and Eternals may face uphill battle to enter China. A recent Chinese – also coming from Variety as well. uh, A recent Chinese state media report has added to rumors that two major superhero – Uh, Marvel films, Eternals, and Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings may not be approved for release in China. In a report on the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase 4 films, the CCTV6 China Movie Channel aired a list of the U.S. release dates for the 8 of the 10 scheduled titles, but conspicuously left out Eternals and Shang-Chi. After Black Widow, which hits the U.S. July 9th, Uh, They are the next two MCU films in the lineup, releasing in North America on September 3rd and November 5th, respectively. The omission might seem small, but its significance lies in its provenance. The channel is under the jurisdiction of China's powerful propaganda department, which has the final word on film's approvals. China does not operate a free market in cinema. All foreign-made films seeking release in China theaters must receive government approval and past censorship. Uh, There are uh, separate quotas for films imported on flat-fee terms and those, such as Hollywood studio titles, seeking a more lucrative lucrative uh, revenue-sharing release through a state-owned distributor. While the uh, China Movie Channel r- report is not hard evidence that the two titles will be banned from the China market, their omission could be an indication that something about them is troubling Chinese officials. Troy, what are your, thinks, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think Shing chi which, you know, clearly go going f- you know, for an Asian audience or Asian market. And, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts about this?
1: Man, if I was Marvel, I wouldn't even care, man. What? Like, <laughs> because it's like. China they be tripping about movies man and it's like you can't even like what is y'all beef with Shang-Chi you know what I'm saying like they, they they literally act like little babies that's what movie is about movies are about like people movies come out in America all the time that I don't agree with but I'm not thinking like oh they shouldn't release that movie like even if you don't like the movie or you don't agree with the movie like why is it always it's certain things I understand I get it right like culturally you know it's different out there and certain things I get it, but. To me, it's just sometimes I just feel like trying to be with these movies. I'm only talking about with the movies. They act like babies with stuff. Like, oh, I don't like that, so it can't get released out here. Like, that's so immature and childish. Like, what is a movie like a Marvel movie like Chang chi possibly do where you're not going to release it? Like, it might be something you don't like. Okay, I understand that. But you're not even going to release it? Listen, like, if you're Marvel, you can't sit up there and worry about stuff like that because what can you do? You know what I'm saying? You think, just got to try to do as good as you can everywhere else. I
0: think the reason why they would worry is because uh, China has been like the biggest box office. They make China is now doing more box office money revenue than the U.S. and North America is. So they they're. they're uh, I would bet like stuff like you know the like the billion dollar movies like Avengers and stuff like that. China plays a more a significant portion than the U.S. does as far as percentage. Like you know, if you're looking at the pie chart, you know how much uh, revenue is coming from where. Uh, I think uh, you know, you know. We we even seen like Star Wars movies and, and and certain Marvel movies get like a China re edit. You know, uh, I remember like there was a big controversy where like uh, there was a kissing scene that was uh, between two females in the background, like extras that happened in the in Star Wars Episode Nine that got edited out because of that. Or.
1: Uh-huh. that's so stupid but i mean shit they talking about putting Chang chi uh uh to disney plus in 45 days anyway <laughs> like that's <laughs> why i'm saying i wouldn't worry about it because it's like shit y'all not you know y'all not planning on making box office as much box office revenue as possible anyway so you know why sweat about you know china and you know they tripping on something you can't control you know what i mean yeah
0: We'll continue to keep an eye on it. We'll, uh, we will uh, inform or, or do an update where, when it gets officially announced, if it does or doesn't get a Chinese release date. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. Number one, Knives Out 2 cast Catherine Han, Janelle Monet, Dave Bautista, and Edward Norton. Damn. <laughs> Number That's two, uh, box office uh, report. Uh, spiral from the book of saw incinerates angelina jolie's those who wish me dead uh the saw franchise installment debuted at 8.7 million dollars while jolie's film just took in 2.8 million dollars that's so sad number three sonic the hedgehog 2 wraps production number four indiana jones 5 adds narco star boyd holbrook number five Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt vehicle Jungle Cruise will now be a Disney premiere access movie alongside its theatrical release. We just talked about these kind of Disney strategy things. Number six, Disney released a four-year consideration ad featuring Gina Carano for The Mandalorian. Number seven, Miss Marvel wrapped production after relocating to Thailand. Number eight, Tom Cruise sent his three Golden Globe Awards back in protest of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. We talked about last week on NBC is no longer going to be airing the Golden Globes next year. Number nine, John Boyega is returning uh, for Attack the Block sequel with director Joe Cornish. Number 10, Robert De Niro injures his leg offset while filming Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Number 11, Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill return for Enola Holmes sequel on Netflix. First off, I didn't even know that there was an Enola Holmes starring them two, but okay, whatever. Number 12, Scarlett Johansson to receive the Generation Award at 2021's MTV Movie and TV Awards. Uh, Now, Troy, we have a lot of good juicy headlines here, so what do you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, so first I'm going to talk about Robert De Niro injuring his leg. Listen, Killers of the Flower Moon is my most anticipated movie maybe of all time. Oh Um, my God, you know what I
0: realized? Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio are going to be working together for the first time since Leonardo
1: DiCaprio was a child actor. Now you realize why I just said that. (laughs) Yes, it's my most anticipated movie probably maybe of all time. And it's you know directed by the great Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. Hearing this is kind of devastating, but I kind of read up on this and I heard that, you know, he's not, you know, Robert De Niro is not scheduled to uh, act in a scene for the next three weeks. So hopefully the good news is that won't slow the production down in any way because COVID already slowed the shit down of, of this production and it made me mad because I'm like, the second I heard this, I was wanting them to make the movie immediately. So. The good that's the good news so yeah he injured
0: his leg while uh, on his own personal downtime and he wasn't yeah. like scheduled anyways and so yeah uh yeah i read the article as well and it said basically that they're still a, they're still gonna be on schedule from the looks of things. yeah and
1: that also makes me feel like the injury wasn't that bad like it wasn't on set and he broke something or some shit uh also um i gotta say knives out you know that cast is the first cast of the first movie was ridiculous, and I was kind of like, "How y'all gonna top that cast?" But man, bringing Kathleen Hahn on, Dave Patiess is starting to become the new rock. I mean, I'm seeing him in every damn thing. Like he, you know, it's like crazy. You know, remember watching him as a kid as a wrestler? and Now I'm seeing him in all these movies and stuff, and he's getting good roles in these movies. Edward Norton's one of my favorite actors, so you know, so that's great casting. So yeah, I'm I love the cast so far. You got, Ag- you got for- Agatha Harkness up in this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> Agatha, you know. <laughs> and I, I wonder if that like helped her get this role or something because she was fantastic i mean but she's fantastic in everything so i doubt that's the case you know like and like you said uh millie bobby brown and henry cavill i never even knew they did a movie together yeah
0: like apparently that. it was a hit movie in last year in 2020 so and henry cavill yeah. was sherlock
1: holmes huh? so there you go yeah so that uh that's a surprise to me <laughs> like it's a <laughs> sequel before i even knew the original um and uh, last, I'm going to talk about uh, the Spiral movie from the book of Saw. I'm excited about that movie. And uh, I don't, I can't really tell. Is it doing good? 8.7 million? I mean, I know it's doing better than the Angela Jolie movie, but. I don't can't really tell if that's good or bad. I don't know what the budget is. I don't even know when the release date. I don't think it's out yet, so I don't even know how it's making money. Well, no, but it's whatever. Out.
0: it came out this past week and we read it on new releases last week. It was, oh, there, it was really? your pick of okay. the week last week. What
1: are you talking about? Okay, yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, Um. I don't know. That doesn't seem too good of box office numbers to me that seems like a bomb but at least it's doing way better than the angela jolie movie i'm not saying that's good that that movie's doing bad but i mean it has some kind of good news in that but yeah i still want to see that i'm probably going to see that tomorrow but yeah that's pretty much it yeah
0: okay um i was going to add to that like yeah, uh, i wonder if like the disney premiere access thing is like disney saying that we don't believe in jungle cruise you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i wonder if like yeah. i'm reading into it is it, is it like a what does this mean like does it mean that they just oh this this Dwayne Johnson Emily Blunt movie is going to bomb so let's just put it on disney premiere access and make money there or i don't know cuz i don't feel yeah like i it's,
1: know it's i know it's predict what's up i i know that it, it's, you know it seemed like it would bomb i mean the comer- the trailers look shitty to me and yeah that the, you might be right about that
0: yeah i mean uh, the, yeah it's kind of it's kind of hard because like uh you know it's you know you don't you don't ever want to uh, count the rock out you know he's a he's a bona fide movie star you know what i mean so
1: yeah
0: um, but you know anyways uh, the i'm i'm actually kind of impressed that they're doing a four-year consideration ad for Gina Carano even after she got fired you know what are your thoughts on that even though like disney like you know telling oh the, by the way the for your consideration ad it's for the emmys they're telling they're yeah. marketing to the emmys to nominate gina carano for an acting category
1: well i just feel like like I mean, what else they're gonna do if you don't like? If you try to market everybody else to get you know nominated for all this different stuff, and then you don't you know market her, that's kind of might bring backlash to to the to, Disney, to the whole. Yeah. Yeah to Disney because like oh they're being petty Like oh since we fired her we're not gonna market her You know what I mean so it's like That kind of left them in a no choice situation You know what I mean it ain't like Gina Corona Is the only one they're marketing they're marketing Everybody from The Mandalorian yeah, pretty true. much So uh, If they were to market everyone and specifically Leave her out that might have Might have hurt the chances for any other You know person to win so That's kind of I've kind of felt like look they, they were probably just being smart about that situation
0: Okay yeah I'm surprised that, you know, Tom Cruise, I think he won his Golden Globes in the 90s. I'm surprised that he just sent it back, by the way. I don't. I
1: mean, I told you, nobody don't care about the Golden Globes. <laughs> he's probably happy to bring that shit back. <laughs> he's probably waiting on controversy just to mail that shit back. Nobody don't care about the Golden Globes. <laughs> I bet he wouldn't have mailed his Oscar back. He didn't mail his Oscars back when, oh wait, did he ever win? No, nah, my hand, never we win no Oscars. I'm not even but sure if he was ever nominated, to I, tell you the he, truth. Well, he's been nominated for sure. I, I know what movies he's been nominated okay, for, but okay. I know he didn't, I bet he wouldn't have not uh, sent his Oscars back when the Oscars Was under some uh, controversy. I know that for sure.
0: Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on and check this out.
1: Check this out. out.
0: Troy, we've been inundated with a ton of trailers this week, and a majority of these trailers actually, like, actually, all of these trailers are summer movies. So they're going to be eligible. uh, Well, exception with the last two because those are Netflix movies. Uh, but they're all going to be eligible for like our next uh, topic of the show here, so that's coming up. So let's just go ahead and run through them as quickly as possible because like there's a lot to go over. Uh, the first one up I brought up is The Protégé, which stars Maggie Q and Samuel L. Jackson and, and Michael Keaton. Uh, it's a, it's an action movie and uh, where Samuel L. Jackson trained Maggie Q as an assassin, and apparently Maggie Q is trying to kill Michael Keaton. So there you go. Uh, the next up is The Green Knight, which is starring Dev Patel. And it looks like an epic movie where Dev, Dev Patel is like a kind of like an action star, like a kind of like Ar- Arthurian legend kind of thing going on. Next up is Stillwater, which stars Matt Damon and Abigail Breslin. I haven't seen her in a lot in a, in a movie in a while, so I'm glad that she's still acting. Um, the Forever Purge. This trailer looks badass. I'm like, damn. I'm I actually kind of impressed with what they're with what they did in this uh, in this trailer here. I'm actually kind of excited for that movie now. Um, next up is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, had a second trailer. I feel like this trailer was better than the first trailer. I'm actually like, when, I, when we talked about the first trailer and we were like, ah, that Ryan Reynolds movie, nobody asked for that sequel. Well, here it's like the sequel is starting to look like it's justifying itself. Um, and next up is The Sparks Brothers. Which looks like a mockumentary, but it's actually a real documentary. So it's about a mus- about a musicians from like the the 70s. Apparently, never heard of them, but okay. Uh, and then we got an action-ass movie, Snake Eyes: G.I. Joe Origins. Uh, That looks dope as hell. And then we got Hotel Transylvania, uh, which apparently that series is still popular. I wonder if it's even the same cast. I wonder if it's Adam Sandler, but you know, there it is. And finally, the last two trailers were from Netflix. It's Wish Dragon and Sweet Tooth. Uh, Wish Dragon's an animated movie where he's got like a genie like, uh, the dragon is basically like Genie from Aladdin. He got three wishes. And then Sweet Tooth looks like uh, some. it's based off a DC comic property. Um, and it looks like a fantasy kind of story. So, uh, Troy, have you seen any of these trailers? Is there anything that you want to
1: shout out? Man, I'm not even going to lie i haven't seen any of these trailers damn none of of them at all i haven't seen i didn't even know it was a new purge like the forever purge i'm gonna go check that out i didn't even know that existed yeah that's Uh, actually
0: like it's one of the summer movies that's it's like uh for in case you guys don't know the next topic of the show coming up here it's going to be like predicting the 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 successful summer movies and this is eligible so
1: yeah yeah, I, I haven't seen none of these, but uh, that's one I'm gonna have to see for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the links aren't gonna be in the show notes uh, uh, for anyone that wants to watch them. I I actually kind of enjoyed this week's lineup as a whole. Like, I actually liked every trailer, um, and I'm actually excited for for these movies actually. So, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next the next segment. It's time for topic of the show. So, for topic of the show, as I stated before, uh, we each thought of a list of ten movies uh, that we think are going to be the top ten grossing movies of summer 2021. We're on a kick lately where we're talking about summer movies. Uh, we've done the past couple weeks where we talk about summer movies of the past. Now we're looking ahead to this current this current summer here. So, uh, what we we're gonna have a little like a, a little bit of a, like a betting game. All right, there's gonna be 20 points. Uh, up for grabs here. Uh, the first ten points are: How many movies can you actually guess? So, like, let's just say, like, it's it's a fair to say that Black Widow. I, I have it somewhere in my list. That Black Widow is going to be, uh, you know, a top ten movie of the summer, right? So, by predicting that Black Widow will be in the top ten, I get a point. But predicting where in the top ten is it going to be—the highest-grossing movie, is it going to be the 2nd highest-grossing movie? Predicting the position where it lands is the other point. So. We can get a total of 20 points if we get a perfect score or, you know, you can get five points if you get certain things right, but certain things wrong kind of thing. You know, it can be, it can be wherever you want to be. So, uh, Troy, we've done prediction specials before, and I think I've been winning these things. So let's see if you can, uh, (laughs)
1: let's
0: see if you can catch up. So, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and start things off here with our, our number 10 movie. So what do you think will be the 10th most successful movie of the summer?
1: Uh, my number 10, I got Luca. Luke, um,
0: Luca's not coming out of theaters. It's coming straight to Disney Plus. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> I, Damn, we just, okay. we covered that or like on, on news and stuff like that. How like Pixar was mad that you know they can't release it in theaters. They they're doing the thing with soul, you know. I
1: thought they was uh I thought they was okay, okay. I thought it was gonna have a limited nope. release. Nope. Okay, well then uh I'm gonna just skip to my my next one then. I space.
0: I got this, I got this. All right, I would do my number 10, we'll go to your number nine here. But I just want to first start before I go, I, I say uh, the uh, the my number 10 spot. I wanna uh, I want to preface this by saying that I researched the, the, the I researched the calendar of the summer, and I I made a short list, and my short list comprised of twenty one films that have a shot at being in the top ten. So I had a, a very good pool to put, pick from, and this is how I how I uh, I landed here.
1: Well, shit, fuck it. my top my number ten is the Forever Purge that Damn. I just found out about.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, and you know what that's 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 not too bad that's that uh, after watching that trailer, <laughs> they came she, in clutch i'm glad
1: i found out about that she, after they watching came that trailer shit,
0: i might it could <laughs> all right my number 10 is i i think i think i want to i said earlier you don't want to count the rock out so i'm gonna go with jungle cruise at number 10 i think that that's uh it's solid you know what which I mean? one
1: at number 10 jungle cruise oh jungle cruise
0: yeah all right what's your number nine
1: my number nine is uh the lebron james movie space jam uh a new legacy. Okay. I think, I think space jam is going to be somewhat of a hit. You know, LeBron James is a household name. So I think that movie going to do some numbers. All right.
0: My number nine is uh, hotel, Transylvania, transformania. Um, I think that, um, Animated, okay, one of the things I noticed during the pandemic is that things like The Croods, and New Age, Tom and Jerry, um, Ryan, The Last Dragon, uh, I've been noticing that animated movies or family-targeted movies do well in the pandemic. So I think that uh, I try to put a lot of those in this list, and I think that they're going to be the winners of the summer. So I put a number nine, Hotel Transylvania. Okay. All right, what's your, what's your number eight?
1: My number eight is I got A Quiet Place Part Two. I think uh the momentum of that first movie, hopefully that the dr the, the setbacks won't kinda hurt the box office. But uh I think the momentum of the first movie, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about it is getting buzzed. I think it's gonna be doing all right. All right, my number eight,
0: and I'm actually kind of regretting this because I just, you know, found out about this story today, but I put a number eight, Free Guy, which now I just now found out is a 45-day release. So, uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like the Ryan Reynolds movie, I think he's got star power. I love the premise. I love, uh, it, it looks like a good movie. I'm excited for it. I hope that it does well at the box office. Okay. All right, your number seven.
1: My number seven, I got Black Widow. Whoa! Yeah, you're predicting I told you, it that low. Yeah, remember I predict. Uh, remember a while back in the show, I predicted that Black Widow is gonna be one of the, uh, you know, one of the worst-selling Marvel movies. Holy and uh, crap, I don't think I don't think Black Widow. I don't think a lot of people are looking forward to Black Widow, other than the fact that it's a Marvel movie. But I could be wrong. But that's why I'm leaning right now. Well,
0: you know what? At least you put it in the top ten. So I'm pretty sure you'll get a point for that. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get a point for it being landing at number seven. I'll tell you, I, I'll see, tell you that much.
1: If that motherfucker landed at number, uh, in the bottom five, uh, the, I mean, the bottom five of the ten, <laughs> shit, that should be two points.
0: <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. My number seven is I put The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It oh i think uh i'm not sure about this one this is a little bit iffy but but i i don't know if i i did not look at historical records by the way i could have i had time to but i didn't i don't know if the conjuring movies are trending upwards or trending downwards or trending the same but i feel like the conjuring itself is a is a pretty well-established franchise and it's had spinoffs like annabelle and shit like that i figured it's a safe bet so i put it at my number seven
1: okay so my number six i got fast nine dude Um, dude, what the fuck does your top five look like jesus christ i I got fast nine because i just think fast nine gonna do good but i think fast nine is um i think i think people kind of it's it's gonna be people that's starting to get sick of it like i don't think to the degree where it's gonna bomb but i think people gonna look at it like it's just another fast and furious movie and that's why i got it that hot that low
0: okay all right um We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, my number six is I decided to put Space Jam and New Legacy there. Uh, again, my okay. aforementioned uh, animated stuff. And I feel like that one will pop off. I think it's going to pop off with the older crowd as well as the newer, younger crowd because it's Looney Tunes. Um, so, and plus, you know, you got cameos like the Iron Giant and all the Warner Brother properties. I feel like it could work. Um, I have faith in it. I'm excited for it. So that's why I put Space Jam at number six
1: oh space jam at number six okay all right let's start off with your top five go ahead and hit us up with your number five my top five i got suicide squad two okay that's um, a good starting point all right. yeah i think i think suicide squad gonna do numbers the trailers are are crazy and uh the last suicide squad did good even though it was a terrible movie it actually did good and i think having james Gunn directing it i think that's gonna you know it's gonna it's gonna help it out
0: okay um My number five, I actually put Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. Um, mm. After watching that trailer and how, how badass it looks, and Snake Eyes was definitely one of like the standout characters from the G.I. Joe movies, so of course he's gonna have a spinoff, you know. So yeah, um, yeah I'm in tr- I'm very interested. Even before the trailer um, was out, I was already anticipating it. So uh, I feel like it's it's perfect popcorn movie fare. So with that being action, you know, summer action movie going thing that flavor that's got going on for it, I'm pretty sure it'll do well and it'll shit catapult it into the top five.
1: Okay, and that's my next um, one. I got Snake Eye. Uh, I actually think the reason why I think that movie is going to be a hit is because G.I. Joe is a well-known property and people haven't seen it in years. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that's what's going to make it, you know, I think that's what's going to make it pop more because it's like it's, It's a franchise that's been around for a while that everyone know about, and and it's been some a while since that you know uh, it's been on the big screen. So I actually think that's gonna do a lot weller than people think. Like, be prepared for this to be a secret hit. I'm telling y'all.
0: Okay. All right. My number four is a Quiet Place Part Two
1: damn that
0: high yeah dude i think i think it's gonna it's gonna it's the first real summer movie all right it's coming out a memorial day weekend so it's got four days of good play you know what i mean like it's got it's a holiday weekend i think uh i think it's gonna make uh, money you know i'm i'm predicting it's gonna you know like you know how like godzilla versus kong just owned everything it had like the entire marketplace to itself yeah, yeah, I feel like because it's gonna, it's coming out like it was one of the first summer movies and it's a holiday weekend, I feel like it could bolster it and it should catapult it into like the top five and that's why I got it at my number four spot.
1: Okay, okay. Um, my next movie, I got um, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And uh, I think as, as much as I don't like that movie, as much as I don't like Venom, the first Venom, and I don't even like the trailer for what I've seen for the second Venom, that those movies that are hits I'm like gonna, straight up i'm gonna let you, you Ven- uh, i'm gonna let you
0: uh think of a new movie uh venom 2 is not eligible it's coming out on september 24th
1: uh, but i mean but come on that's a blockbuster oh yeah but that's out of the what's the name right yep.
0: uh, we're only doing may <sighs> to august uh by the time venom 2 comes out we're going to be reporting the the results of this prediction so yeah all right. I'll let you think of something else. Um, my my next spot is my number three movie is going to be the Suicide Squad, and I I I think that it's going to be in the top three. I'm actually pretty confident in my top three. I feel like the top three is gonna be the top three, but in a different order. So I feel like with James Gunn and how much what he was able to do for the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm pretty sure he's gonna make all these characters beloved. Like you know how he made like you know Drax and um, and you know Groot and Rocket like beloved characters. He's gonna pull it off with all these characters from like Idris Elba to John Cena and everyone. So I'm I'm uh, you know I'm anticipating it. I think it's gonna be. That big summer box office hit that I'm predicting here. So I got it at my number three spot. Have you been able to okay. think of a new uh, number three?
1: Nah, I don't care. I'll just do nine. Oh, well. Okay. Like, I'm going to still win regardless. Okay, so okay. Fair, enough, fair enough. Uh, Go for it. My, uh, so my next, my so what I'm at, three now, right? You got,
0: you got two more left.
1: Okay, yeah. So my number two is going to be Shang-Chi. Um, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: you
1: yeah, know what? Fuck uh, it.
0: I'll allow it. Uh, that was not eligible. Wait, that's out too? That's not eligible because it comes out on, on uh, September 3rd, uh, which is the Labor Day weekend. Oh, yeah. But Dang,
1: you know what? This is really making me realize how stupid this list is because, I mean, for such a good year, we can only count these. All right, uh, let me see. Dang it. I forgot that. That comes out in September? Yes. Yes. <sighs> we even read yes. the headline in the article just earlier in the show.
0: Uh, but I guess I'll go ahead and go in my uh, my number two spot. I'll go ahead and give my number two to F9 because it's all about family, you know. I think that it because it's got that late June release date, uh, hopefully people are going to be well acclimated to going to the movies again after A Quiet Place Part Two sort of reignites the summer box office. Um, so, yeah, I think F9 will, will do well. I, the only reason why I have it in my number two spot is because I was looking at the uh, – the uh the, the the box office the historical data and i've been seeing and noticing that the in the u.s specifically north america the movies are trending downwards um and so maybe the the actual interest in the franchise is waning but internationally it's still a hit so it's going to be a global hit and regardless so i decided to just make it land on my number two spot
1: so uh free guy did you have free guy on yours nope
0: oh wait i ha- i did actually i did i had it on my number eight yes
1: when did that when does that come out?
0: Uh free guy comes out, let me see here. May twenty first.
1: May twenty first. Hmm.
0: Which okay. is literally wait a minute, that can't be right. May twenty first is this Friday. Let me look at this. Okay, okay, here we go. We, we go. Here we go. Uh December. August thirteenth.
1: Oh, that come out on August thirteenth.
0: Yep. It's eligible.
1: Damn, so that shit is eligible. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and finish out, and I'll go ahead and give you my short list here. Uh, my number one movie, I put Black Widow. I think Black Widow is going to dominate because it's Marvel. Um, I don't. I have. Um, I have. I have all the faith in in Black Widow, and that's why I'm putting it on my number one spot. That's why i was surprised that you put it all the way down at number seven. And I'm going to go ahead and read you out my short list, so that way you know what you can pull from uh just so that way you have an idea so for my stuff that i didn't put on my list i didn't include cruella i didn't include samaritan which is a sylvester stallone superhero movie uh i didn't include Mm. the hitman did
1: cruella come out already no
0: it's coming out on the same day as a quiet place part two which is memorial day weekend
1: see i had cruella but like i had that but i looked up the date and it said it came out in february and i was like how the hell did that come out already it didn't what the um, hell was going on so i got
0: samaritan the hitman's wife's bodyguard um in the heights which is a musical by the guy that did um, uh hamilton uh lin-manuel Miranda. uh there's the misfits which was uh, the pierce brosnan and nick cannon movie there's peter rabbit 2 there's the forever purge um escape room 2 which i don't even know that was a movie happening but it's on the calendar there's that um uh that super bowl trailer the one uh M. Night Shyamalan movie called Old, where they're in the island, and then the kid just suddenly ages.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to see that one. Yeah,
0: Hotel Transylvania, Transylvania. Um, Candyman, and The Protégé. Oh,
1: The Woman. I want to put The Woman in the Window in mine, too. Fuck, I forgot about that one. And The Protégé.
0: Uh, And also, The Woman in the Window is a Netflix movie. You didn't put
1: Spider-Man? Wait, when does Spider-Man come out? December. Damn, man. (laughs) Shit. Okay, uh, okay, cool yeah my my this yeah this is yeah okay yeah man good job good job researching this one (laughs) yeah i mean yeah this was uh yeah this was i botched this i ain't gonna even lie i I didn't realize that that, but i didn't realize the summer was this terrible and all the good movies that are supposed to be summer blockbusters aren't in the summer (laughs) and so it's one of the reasons why i felt like we should have did a top five instead of a top 10 for such a weak summer but i think i i do think the um, I do think my list would be a slightly different if, yeah, my list was messed up. All
0: right, so do you want to keep it at eight? What was your your number one movie? That one that you that you did predict that that was eligible?
1: It don't even matter because it was even on the. <laughs> it ain't even in the summer, right?
0: like oh, Shang
1: Chi. <laughs> nah, I had Spider Man number uh, one, Shang Chi number two. Oh my, gear top two movies are, aren't eligible. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna ready. let it slide. All right, I'm I am. I will let no, Shang no, Chi. No, hell
1: no! Because that, those are too good. Like, if you let that slide, I will let, let Shang I'll let Shang Chi
0: slide. I was gonna say, not Spider Man. I'll let Shang Chi slide. What? Is... <laughs> they come out at the same time, don't they? Shang Chi comes out in the first weekend in September. Uh, Spider Man comes out in like late December. So we can't talk about Spider Man for sure, but you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm gonna be screwed because I'm losing a point because Shang Chi will definitely be in the top ten. But I'll, I'll let, I'll let, it, I'll let you have that point. Since you only have nine movies anyways. Since
1: I only have nine, I'll be losing a point anyway, so, so it's probably... It, it evens out. It out. evens
0: out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, well, then that's our list. Your number one movie is Shang-Chi. My number one movie is Black Widow. We both put a Marvel movie at the number one spot. Um, of course, I didn't allow myself to push Shang-Chi, but I have the ability to make more points because I have ten slots. So uh, yeah. we'll, we will um, tabulate the results, either... You know what? Because you put Shang-Chi in there, I'm going to give you a full 30 days. So we're going to tabulate the results of this prediction in the first podcast in October and wherever uh, the results may lie. Um, so, yeah, that was a if it wasn't for the botched list, this would have been a, a, a shorter topic of the show, by the way. So just throwing that out there. This is a, this is going smoothly up until that last
1: part. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Let's go ahead and move on to Netflix and chill. So for Netflix and chill, I'm actually gonna do things a little bit differently. I'm actually did not do an Amazon chart this week because the Amazon charts I've been noticing have been stagnant and it's the same movies, but in a different order. And the only thing that I saw on the Amazon chart that was even remotely interesting is that number nine was Interstellar and number 10 was A Quiet Place, part one, which was like, you know, people were getting ready for A Quiet Place, part two. So I didn't want to really report on the, uh, the Amazon charts. So I actually have the Netflix chart on here twice. So um, we're gonna go ahead and cover the first Netflix chart. It's the top 10 things on Netflix, and this is what I've been always been doing this entire time. It's basically what's popular on Netflix like in, in its entirety, so movies and series. So number one is The Woman in the Window, which is that Amy Adams movie that you were talking about earlier. Um, that was a Netflix exclusive. Number two is The Upshaws, which is a show. Number three is Jupiter's Legacy, Jupiter's Legacy, which is a show. And then Love, Death, and Robots at number four. Number five is The Mitchells versus The Machines. Uh, number six is Halston. Number seven is I Am All Girls, which was a, a, a really crazy-ass movie. I saw the trailer, and I'm like, damn, it's very intense. It's a gritty movie. Um number 8 is Startup, number 9 is Jungle Beat the Movie, and number 10 is Cocoa Melon. Anything to say about this first Netflix chart?
1: Uh, not really. Uh, other than... Cocoa Melon. <laughs> it's like, what's up with that? Like, yeah,
0: you know what? It's kind of crazy. I think people just put on Netflix Kids for their kids, and then they just watch it. It's like the most popular and thing. I
1: actually understand that because kids watch the same shit over and over again.
0: Yes, <laughs> so it's never left the top ten. I think I think it's had a longer run on this on this show than Tenet ever will. So yeah. Uh, the Netflix. Okay, the next uh, Netflix chart is the top ten movies on Netflix. So now we're disregarding all series, and it's just movies. Okay, so. We have the first uh, four things, which were on the Netflix charts aforementioned, again, in the same order. The Woman in the Window, The Mitchells versus the Machines, I Am All Girls, and Jungle Beat the movie are in the top four. Um, I just want to say that I Am All Girls, it just, it's uh, it seems to, I read the synopsis, and it says that it's about a, a detective that's, uh, you know, following, like, you are trying to solve a serial killer murder, and apparently the killer is someone who's killing people who are involved in a child, uh, traf- human trafficking, sex trafficking Ah, trafficking ring. So apparently, like the detective is sort of siding with the killer, I guess. It's crazy, it's intense. Apparently, the movie was made in South Africa. So, yeah, it's probably worth a check out. Um, number five is Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, number six is Dead Man Down, number seven is Fairy, which I believe is a Netflix exclusive or Netflix original, number eight is Slight, number nine is The Strange House, and number 10 was an old movie from 2013 starring Keanu Reeves, which I didn't even know existed. It's called The Whole Truth, so there you go. I now learned how to uh, find the uh, and navigating how to find the top ten movies on Netflix,
1: I never knew how to do that until now. Anything you want to say yeah. about these Netflix movies? Um, I I I do want to see I am our uh, I am our girls. Like who is like what you call it? Um, Tipsy was just in here talking about that. Like what the hell? What I wonder? Have you seen? No,
0: it? I only watched the trailer when I was looking at the charts. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it looks intense. It looks like yeah. ridiculously intense and I'm like, "Damn, I need to check this out." Um
1: Yeah, that's I've heard like two different people bring that up to me. So just seeing the the name made me, re- you know, realize that people are bringing it up. So I'm I'm trying to see, I might have to at least see the trailer and see if that's something that I want to check out.
0: Okay. All right, the top 10 things on iTunes. Number 1 is The Marksman, which is that Liam Neeson movie. Number 2 is Love and Monsters. Number 3 is North Hollywood. Number 4 is Together Together. Number five is The Little Things. Uh, number six is Prom- uh, Promising Young Woman. Uh, number seven, hey, look at that. An old movie, a throwback, Pulp Fiction. He's at number seven. Number eight is French Exit. Number nine is Chaos Walking. And number 10, another throwback movie. I guess people are on a, on a Bruce Willis binge because um, Unbreakable is at number 10. So there you go. Anything you wanted to say about these movies?
1: yeah for once i i mean it's still random but itunes got i mean they coming with some good shit unbreakable all-time great movie pulp fiction probably my favorite movie ever you know it's up there uh they got the little things that movie yeah, was a little disappointed but it's i that that's a top five movie though because i understand why that's in the top five like it just came you know that's something that kind of just came out so uh from you know iTunes actually got one of the better lists yeah and by the
0: way I don't think we're gonna see Tenet um or Greenland or it's
1: on uh, HBO now yeah
0: I was gonna say or Wonder Woman 84 because I literally saw it when I was looking at watching the Angelina Jolie movie uh I saw it there on on HBO Max right next to it so I'm like oh okay these movies are not coming back to the iTunes charts because people can just watch it you know for free on HBO Max so yeah
1: how come we don't have a HBO Max top ten? Um,
0: you know what? I don't think HBO Max like pr- reports Has that, enough, But if they do, maybe I'll look into it. I'll see if they do. Um, because I pull these directly from from them. I like, go to Netflix.com and I find it there because they give you yeah, the, they give yeah. you the numbers or they give you the charts.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering. I mean, they they probably don't have enough content to have one of these top ten. <laughs> I'm sure I they mean, do. Unless... I'm sure they do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the. You're just, you're, you're, now you're just bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> my recommendation is actually going to be on netflix and it's actually a series of movies but really the first one um uh, I'm, I'm recommending it man it's a uh, it's it's starring donnie yen it made donnie yen the action star you know donnie yen was in like star wars uh um what is it
1: uh what's that rogue one
0: the rogue one yeah rogue one yeah, yeah as well as a, 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 a bunch of other things as well but uh i always know i always know him as it man and uh yeah it's one of the great kung fu movies there's an iconic ass scene uh, that where he fights 10 people at once and it's like intense as fuck and uh, i think it's been parodied before as well if i'm not mistaken um at least on a youtube video that i'm thinking of so uh, i have not seen the fourth movie in the series i only watched the trilogy um, but all four movies are on netflix go check it out
1: yeah, it man, they're incredible, man. I, I mean, the third one a little iffy with me when they brought in Mike Tyson. I was kind of like, that's a little ridiculous. <laughs> but man, that those first two are masterpieces and some of the best fight choreography I've ever seen. And boy, that boy hands are so fast. It's yes. like I ain't never seen nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that, that those movies are fantastic. Um, my recommendation is I'm gonna talk about Back to the Future on Netflix. Um, it's a classic. You might have. I don't even know, but you might have have already talked about this before in the past. Nope, I haven't. Uh, but uh, yeah, Back to the Future is, I mean, is a straight-up classic, and uh, I always enjoy watching it. And I, I, I watch it at least once a year. It's that fun of a movie and that funny and charismatic of a movie, so I enjoyed the hell of it.
0: Yeah, the first two movies are definitely really good. The third movie, a little iffy, but it's got an iconic scene. Yeah. Uh, and also like the story about how he filmed uh, and he, uh, you know, they filmed him hang- hanging on a, on a noose and he actually was really actually choking and stuff like that. And they, everyone thought he was just acting. Oh, uh, so, oh, uh, yeah, that was like a whole stunt went wrong and stuff like that. He almost died. Um, God, but yeah, the, uh, the the third movie was a little whack, but it, it was all right. Um, the first two movies, are, they operate really well. And I have all three movies on DVD. So on like a trilogy yeah. pack so hey yeah all right um let's go ahead and move on to the new releases let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat so for new releases this week we have five new releases and four of these things are theatrical exclusive movies i actually saw i didn't even know about uh, two of these movies, and when I saw the trailer for them, I'm like, damn. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go ahead and talk about the first one, and this is the one that trailer that got me like like really interested. It's a foreign movie. It's made uh, in Mexico, uh, so you know it's got a I speak Spanish and stuff like that, so I I got a I got a feel for this. But um, it's called New Order. It comes out on theaters May 21st. It says, members of a wealthy family gather for a wedding as a nearby protest escalates into violence in Mexico City and a coup. The film stars Nayan Gonzalez-Norvind, Diego Boneta, and Monica del Carmen. Uh, So, yeah, this this movie was crazy because... uh, it gets like, you know, it's basically like a class warfare kind of thing where like you got the rich, you know, like elite people and like poor people. And now like the poor is revolting and things are just, there's like a military coup going on as a result. And, you know, these uh, protesters are like these people like just bum rushing a wedding, bringing guns and kidnapping people and trying to execute them. I'm like, holy shit, this movie is intense. And uh, I did look up the show times and it actually is playing at a theater at an AMC near us. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, I don't know. Hell yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It may, it, pick of the week material, I would say.
1: Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty badass to me.
0: The Dry comes out on May 21st in theaters. Uh, Federal agent Eric Falk, Aaron Falk returns to his hometown after an absence of over 20 years to attend the funeral of his childhood friend Luke, who allegedly killed his wife and child before taking his own life. A victim of the madness that has ravaged this community after more than a decade of drought. When Falk reluctantly agrees to stay and investigate the crime, he opens up an old wound, wound, the death of a 17-year-old Ellie Deacon. Falk begins uh, begins to suspect that these two crimes, separated by decades, are connected as he struggles to prove not only Luke's innocence but also his own. Falk finds himself pitied against the prejudice towards him and pent up rage of a terrified community. I feel like this uh, synopsis almost gives away the whole plot but whatever. <laughs> uh, the film stars Eric Banna, you know, the original Hulk from 03, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly who played uh, Mon Mothma in the Star Wars movies, uh, Kier O'Donnell and Bruce Spence. Um, the that, that
1: only thing I will say that's interesting about that is you do see that often, like on the news, like someone who kills, you know, their family and then kill himself, you know, so that that seemed like that, uh, you know, uh, be something interesting to check out.
0: All right. Uh, Writers of Justice comes out on May 21st in theaters. Uh, the synopsis reads Marcus returns home to care for his daughter when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. However, when a survivor of the wreck services and, cla- and claims foul play, Marcus suspects his wife was murdered and embarks on a mission to find those responsible. The movie opened to Danish cinemas in November 19, 2020, with favorable reviews, and review ag- ag- aggregator Rotten Tomatoes reports an approval rating of 93% based on 56 review- reviews, with an average rating of 7.8 out of 10, The website Critics' Consensus reads, quote, a darkly humorous revenge thriller with satisfying depth and a dash of savory quirk. Writers of Justice makes compelling, makes another compelling case for Mads Mikkelsen as an all-purpose leading man. The film stars Mads Mikkelsen. And it is foreign language. It is Danish and So there's no English in it. So there you go.
1: I love when movies be actually the the language that it's supposed to be like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, some foreign films are some of the best films ever made. So, uh, it, it sounds like, Hey, compared to the reviews, I mean, you know, yeah, at 93%,
0: uh, like, damn, you know, like that's solid. I mean, it
1: ain't a lot of reviews yet, but at least for right now, it's, it sounds pretty good.
0: All right. The next up is, and now I've seen this trailer a long ass time ago and it's, I guess, cause of COVID, but you know, whatever, uh, dream horse, comes out in theaters on May 21st. It is the true story of Dream Alliance, an unlikely racehorse bred by a small town bartender, Jan Vokes. With very little money and no experience, Jan convinces her neighbors to uh, chip in their meager earnings to help raise Dream and compete with the racing elites. Their investments pays off as Dream rises through the ranks and becomes a beacon of hope for their struggling community the film stars Tony Collette and Damian Lewis. At least those are notable yeah. actors. <laughs> um, yeah. And this one should be no surprise. This is my pick of the week and probably yours too, Troy. Uh, Army yep. of the Dead comes out on Netflix on May 21st. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. The film stars Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Ana de la Rugu- Ruguera, uh, Theo Rossi, who plays Shades in the Luke Cage movies, as well as uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy, uh, Matthias uh, Schweufer, Sh- oh, I, I can't do accents, uh, Nora... Arnaz Zuter, and Scorpion himself, Hiroyuki Sonata, uh, Tig Nataro, Raul Castillo, Huma Kureshi, and uh, from the uh, Terminator TV show, uh, Garrett Dillon Hunt. So,
1: a lot of foreign people in this movie, boy.
0: Yeah, a lot of people in this movie. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, Army of the Dead is definitely something that I'm looking forward to. I may make a movie a night of that. Um, and I'm surprised you didn't uh, have impressions on Army of the Dead. I thought you were going to watch it this past week in theaters.
1: Yeah, I didn't, you know, with this week, you know, you, I mean, you know what was going on this <laughs> week. Yeah, I, I didn't really get to watch nothing, really. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely be looking on my channel. Look out for the review for that. Um, That's definitely my pick of the week. And it's uh, something that I'm, you know, pretty excited for to see if Zack Snyder going to still be on his run after coming off of uh, Justice League, the Snyder version.
0: Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Okay. We'll uh we'll have impressions on that next week. Um so let's go ahead and end it here. And uh, now the end is near and so I face the final curtain. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy.
1: Bracey Troy 58.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time.
1: Bye.